Hello, everybody, and welcome to the For the Win podcast. I am your Tuesday host, Charles Curtis, and with me is our Friday host, Hemel Javeri. Hemel, what's going on? Hi, Charles. How are you? I am good, and the reason I'm having Hemel come on here is because uh, lots of hockey stuff happening, and, and Hemel covers a lot of our hockey stuff. And the NHL playoffs is really, it's really getting to a crazy point here. The the Capitals won last night. We were obviously taping this on a Tuesday. And so we're heading to a Game 7. And, uh, Hamill, you've been riding the emotional and journalistic roller coaster with the Capitals. We talked on the podcast, I want to say, three weeks ago. Like, were the Caps doomed? And here we are at that point, except in a more potential heartbreaking place in with a Game 7 in the Eastern Conference Finals. So, like, take take the temperature for me. Like, what's going on with this team how do you feel about their their chances of game seven? My God, it is it's so hard to kind of wrap my head around everything that has happened with this team in the postseason. Um, like you said, three weeks ago, everybody was hopeful, but it kind of felt like a you know, it kind of felt like even if they made it past Columbus, that they were going to wash out against the Penguins to begin with. Well, lo and behold, they beat the Penguins and they won in six games, not even seven. They beat Penguins in six games and advanced to their first Eastern Conference final in 20 years, which was a huge victory. And then on top of that, they played bananas for those first two games in Tampa um, and came out of that series with a two games to nothing lead against Tampa. So, of course, the Caps being the Caps, what do they what do they do after that? They drop the next three games, right? So it has been a crazy, crazy roller coaster. But last night, game six, um, they're down three games to two. Tampa had a chance to close out the series in D.C. They did not do it. Last night was the best I've ever seen the Capitals play. Mm-hmm. I mean, I cannot even tell you how phenomenal that game was because everything that they were doing was flawless. Goaltending was flawless. Holtby picked a heck of a time to have his first shutout of the season. Their defense was phenomenal, and they got goals when they needed them. Um, Alex Ovechkin was also laying out huge hits on the ice. He didn't have a point. He didn't have a goal last game, but his presence was totally felt. So, you know, it's really crazy because I think fans should just really, really appreciate Game 6 for what it was, which was that the Capitals did everything they could possibly do to force a Game 7. Yeah. Um, And I... And I know that a lot of people are going to be really disappointed if the Capitals don't win uh, a Game 7 and then make it to the Stanley Cup final, which I will be disappointed too. But seeing what they put on last night, that to me, like if they had lost Game 7, then we could be really disappointed in the postseason. And I think because they put in such an effort in Game 7 or in Game 6, I'm a little more I'm a little more lenient now whatever happens in game seven because last night was just a flawless effort that's an interesting call because i kind of wonder yeah. if, if dc feels that way because they haven't had a uh any team reach a final of a, of a conference let alone a, a you know championship game in the last what 20 30 years whatever it is and so i feel years, like yeah. 20 years there you go so right i think I, my take and i'm a new yorker i have no idea but it seems to me if i was a dc fan i would feel like you know what Progress. We got a team into an Eastern Conference final. Like, yeah, heartbreak city. You know, Ovechkin may never win a cup if, you know, or maybe the team is, is heading that direction. Or maybe this is a team that can, their window's still open in the next couple of years. And with Ovechkin, you never know. And if Holtby's playing like this, well, you know, who knows? Uh, but it, I wonder if DC fans feel that way because I, I think getting past that that hump of like we've never made it to a final is, is kind of a, a big thing. But if they make the Stanley Cup final, they certainly have a shot as well. 
Yeah, there's lots of little things to be proud of in this postseason, right? The fact that they made it past the second round and the fact that they defeated the Pittsburgh Penguins are two really big things that at least they can stop hearing about those two things. You know what I mean? For next season. So those are two things that fans can get excited about and be proud about. But like anything, they're very eager for the final prize, which is the cup. And a lot of it has to do with Ovechkin's history in the city, right? A lot of people are rooting because they do want to see the team win, but it means so much to Ovechkin. And he does have his, his window is closing, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not going to, this is obviously not the last year for Ovechkin with the way that he's been playing, but his window is closing. So it, and it feels like this is the best shot that he has had every other year when they've gone into the playoffs, they've had great teams, but they haven't been able to pull it together in the postseason when it counted. And I think with game six last night and in the game six against Pittsburgh, they really were able to pull it together when it counted, which is what I think gives fans a lot of hope for game seven. Um, I don't know. We'll see. It's, it's a crazy emotional roller coaster. And I think that while people won't be, I think had they lost in game six, they would have been really disappointed. Um, and it's not enough to, to rest your laurels on, I don't think, but it is enough to take a little bit of the sting out of, of the loss. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, and, and you mentioned the sort of Ovechkin in the window. I didn't necessarily think this was the best Caps team that Ovechkin's had, uh, but they've been playing in a way that, that to me indicates that they are that they are. I mean, you know, like Tom Wilson being Tom this this version of Tom Wilson after yeah. all these years is like wow, like he's taking a step forward. Um, obviously, T.J. Oshie's playing as his usual. I love T.J. Oshie; like he's one of my favorite hockey players, not just because yeah. of the Olympics, but he has all these teammates that have really sort of come like Lars Eller. Like you know, like it's, yeah. it's really interesting to see they've got this interesting mix. And the goaltending is where I, I want to ask you next about next. Because that, to me, will decide this game. And I know that sounds so cliche about mm -hmm. hockey that, you know, goaltending will decide it. But think about it. Holtby, you know, he's coming on late here, basically. Do you think that he has the stuff, maybe the momentum from Game 6 to, to beat Vasilevsky? I do. I, I think that one of the things that, get lo that gets lost in last night's game, because the Capitals did play so well and because they did win, was how phenomenal Vasilevsky was. I mean, mm -hmm. he, yeah. up until that second period goal, and even well past it, up until that second goal in the third period, he was unbeatable. I mean, you talk about a goaltending duel, them going back and forth was was really just was thrilling to watch because there were so many shots on, on goal as well. Um, I think that it isn't so much about the goaltenders outplaying each other. Like, I think that Holpe has what he needs to beat Vasilevsky. And part of it is that Holpe has been in these situations before. Not that Vasilevsky hasn't, but Holpe has been in these situations before. Um, he's faltered a little bit, but he's also had a lot of rest this season, right? The pressure has not totally been on him uh, as much as it has in other seasons. So I think that he just might not be under the same kind of mental strain that he was in the past. And I think that's a huge thing. Mm -hmm. Last night, um, I think last night, some of the reporters asked him, you know, how does it feel to get your first shutout of the season? And he was really coy about it. And he was like, oh, I don't think about that stuff. <laughs> so he tries to downplay it, but you know that it's a big deal for him, right? So if he's hitting his peak right now, it can it can only mean good things for, for DC. Interesting. Let's talk about also... The, the, the other team that's going to be in the Stanley Cup final, the, the Vegas Golden Knights, can you believe 
that this is this is a possibility that a, an expansion team in their first year will make it. I, and I, before you answer that, one thing that I've been talking about kind of with, with fellow NHL fans is like how much easier they had it building a team. And I'm just like, but yeah, even though the rules may have softened up to allow teams to, to kind of let go of that, I don't know, sixth, seventh good player that now is part of this team and, it, you know, makes makes the Golden Knights deep. Um, it's still it's still incredible. Like, that, the argument shouldn't be like, oh, they had it easier in ex- expansion. Like, what they have put together uh, is just incredible. And you kind of wrote about that. Yeah, I, I kind of wrote about the little wrote about that a little bit because this is a storyline that people have been trying to untangle and puzzle through for the entire season. When Vegas was off to a hot start at the start of the season, everybody was like, wait, this is bound to end. Why is this happening? Um, And it really is a lot of small reasons. I think you see a lot of players on Vegas having career seasons. Um, They're, they've got career highs. Uh, William Carlson, I think is like third in the NHL in terms of goals scored. And, and I would, I would defy anybody like a casual NHL fan to pinpoint and be like, yes, that's the guy that's going to be number three in, in goal scored in the NHL, you know, in terms of all this, the stars that there are in the league. Sometimes the stars just align in the proper way. And this is one of those things that I just don't think you can put a formula on. Mm-hmm. My problem was a little bit about kind of the mental push that everybody in Vegas probably has. Um, it really had to do with the fact that there, this is a team made up of people that were let go by other teams, even if it was in the nicest possible way. Marc-Andre Fleury basically being pushed out by the Penguins in favor of Matt Murray, but also having his own playoff demons that he really kind of had to let go to to excel in these playoffs, right? Like Fleury has a reputation for some debacles. I think it was somewhere between 2010, 2013 for the Pittsburgh Penguins, right? Like he didn't have a real great playoff run there. No. So. Right, yeah, so whether it's just the fact that he doesn't have a lot of pressure on him, whether there's really nothing to lose for this team, like every single thing that they've done has been a success. Had they completely failed, people would have been like, all right, whatever, they're a first-year expansion team, right? Yeah. And every yeah. so basically every every victory that they've had has really just been um, has really just been a silver lining. So I you know, I don't know, you can't really explain it. Um, my one of my one of the interesting things is Coach Barry Trotz. He is always, you know, when people ask him what's so different about this Capitals team, he always talks about how it has to do with team chemistry. It has to do with how players play with each other and how well they can read each other. And I think that's actually what's happening in Vegas. Like, I think this is a team that has really been able to connect on the ice and off of the ice. Um, and they've been able to take the talent that they do have because they're a talented roster yeah. and really push everything they have together. Yeah, that's a really interesting point, too, because if you take a bunch of players who haven't played with each other ever, mm-hmm. it, in a funny way it works out because there's no history between them. So maybe there's you know they're starting fresh together and they're learning to read each other in that you know in that full year that they've been together. So there's no history there. There was a, a, a column that I read, I think it's from The Athletic, I want to say, and it might have been Justin Bourne, I want to say, is the name. That mm-hmm. I, right. Yeah. He wrote about how, like, what NHL teams, everybody should go and read it. I know I'm promoting something that isn't for the win on here, but you know what? You should. It's great. It's just about, like, what NHL teams can learn from Vegas, even though Vegas is an expansion team. And there was a lot of information in there about sort of making a team and creating a team that, like you said, like what Barry Trotz is saying, that gels together in the right way 
um, both from a personality standpoint and on the ice. And I thought that was really, really kind of fascinating and a fascinating wrinkle. And the funny thing to me, by the way, is the, the narrative for Vegas has shifted from this like, Oh, Vegas flu, you know, causes, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it causes problems for other teams. And suddenly that's like disappeared in the playoffs, probably because of the playoffs. Right. But like suddenly we're really looking at a team that that has earned it. And and people aren't talking about the sort of it being a fluke anymore. And that's just amazing. And I love it. And even though I love the idea of the Vegas flu, uh, we've moved past that. And uh, uh, the yeah. story here is just it's, it's incredible. Uh, somebody's got to make a Hollywood movie. I've said this before. It has to be. Yeah, I mean, and I don't want to bring up the shooting in Vegas, but that's also mm-hmm. another thing that I think has a lot to do with kind of the mental fortitude of the team is that before the start of the season, something like that happens just a mile away from where you're playing. The other thing is that it really put everything into perspective for that team. It really helped them kind of crystallize like, okay, we're going to go out there. We are going to give these people our best effort because at this point, this is all we can do for this community that has suffered so much. And that, in a weird way, putting something, you know, putting the game into perspective also let them be really loose and not carry so much pressure into the game with them. Um, But it also bonded them, right? Like, you can't come out of a situation like that and not be incredibly close to your teammates afterwards. So it is, you know, it's definitely not a thing that you would ever wish happened, but this is a thing that has impacted that team and has had like brought them a lot closer together one of my favorite things that that you've written uh this year is was you interviewed a bunch of vegas golden knights fans and they talked a lot about that everyone should go and click on that hamill's uh, piece from i want to say a month ago about what vegas uh what it meant to vegas to have the golden knights uh acknowledge that and 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 the way that they've they've handled the post-tragedy oh yeah uh, everything i i think that's that's wonderful Yeah, it was, I mean, it was fantastic talking to these people because I, first of all, I could not, um, they were very, very emotional, right? When I spoke to them, you could tell this was not just a regular fandom, right? This was not just, oh, I'm excited about the Caps winning. These people had a very deep emotional connection to the team. Um, So I think it means a lot for the city of Vegas, and I'm really excited for them to be in the final. I think it's great for hockey, and it's great for the NHL. Let's uh, move on from NHL stuff, but before we do, we got to hear from our good friends over uh, at Quicken Loans. Here we go. Uh, support for the For the Win podcast comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. They understand that home plays a big role in your life and family. That's why they created Rocket Mortgage. Rocket Mortgage gives you the confidence you need when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. It's simple, allowing you to fully understand all the details and be confident you're getting the right mortgage for you. Whether you're looking to buy your first home or your 10th, with Rocket Mortgage you get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. It's convenient. Our trusted partners allow you to share your financial information with Rocket Mortgage at the touch of a button. And in addition to getting a real mortgage approval in minutes, you can even adjust the rate and length of your loan in real time to make sure you're getting the right solution for you. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Apply simply, understand fully, mortgage confidently. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com slash FTW. Equal housing lender licensed in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. Okay, Hamill, we're going to talk about our obsessions. We're going to start with you. Uh, You spent last week doing the for the win uh, um royal <laughs> wedding week i i'm about to chuckle because i just i love that i love that we that we did this it was a great 
series of posts and and the royal wedding was wonderful um how did you you know you were you're you're all about the the royal wedding like what's your takeaway from it how did you feel about it did you uh did you stand up and cheer i don't know anything like that (laughs) so i will say one of the funny things about working at ftw is that you do get pulled in a lot of different directions so part of it is like yes i'm gonna write about the golden knights but on the other hand i'm also gonna be following the royal wedding very closely like (laughs) it's uh there's there's subject matter whiplash but it's super fun um yeah i am a big royal wedding i was a big royal wedding person i love harry and megan I think it's such a bizarre, um, I think it's such a bizarre thing to be into, but I think Ted Berg pointed this out in his column. It's not any more bizarre than randomly liking a player just because they can hit some balls. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's that same level of absurdity that you can attach to it. So, um, I I did watch the Royal Wedding, but I did not wake up early for it because it started at like 5 a.m. Yeah, and no way. No, no way. My aversion to waking up early they're not gonna they're not gonna get in the way of that um yeah so i watched it and i was telling you this earlier but i i watched it on tape delay and i cried through the whole thing i'm not even gonna lie like their vows and the singing and the preaching i was just constantly tearing up Uh, i will cry at weddings to begin with but this was this was just great i'm i'm so happy for them i think that you know i think that we live in it's tough times right now right mm -hmm. like there's just a lot of shit happening, and I'm not supposed to curse on the podcast. Um, <laughs> you, so I you run the podcast, so you're you're allowed to do whatever you want. But you know, <laughs> that's your call. No, but yeah, I totally know what you're saying. But one of the things I read this great column by um, New York Times critic uh, uh, James Poniewozik, and he really said that it provided just a brief respite from the constant news cycle that we're in right now of school shootings and Trump and international intrigue and North Korea nuclear threats and volcanoes in Hawaii um, to just really take a two hour, three hour break and be dreamy and kind of believe in a fairy tale romance and celebrate the power of love and all these things that are super corny. um, But why not, you know, remind ourselves that hey this is a thing that that is out there so regardless the entire spectacle was so much more than just about being two people getting married it was really this like awesome celebration of uh, a lot of good things so yes whatever problems you have with the monarchy and british colonialism like i totally understand all of that um trust me i'm super woke i get it i'm indian i'm not supposed to celebrate the british monarchy but it was fantastic. I loved it. Yeah, yeah, no, I, 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 yeah, I, I love you. I love Hemel's takes about everything. I always like, it, and, and the serious stuff too. When you are, when you have a serious like woke take, I'm always like, you know, that is good that we have somebody on our staff who thinks that way because I know that there are a billion times in the last two and a half years I've worked before the win where I'm like, oh, I'm so glad somebody's there to save me from being an idiot. You know, um, I'm, I feel bad though. I don't want you to, I don't want you to be like the woke. I don't want to be the woke police. No, <laughs> no I think, I think, but, they, but like, this is, there needs to be perspective on these things. And, uh, and on the funnier side of, 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 of what you're pointing out, I think that there's something to be said about pomp and circumstance in today's society when like, you go to the theater wearing jeans now. Like, we don't go on airplanes wearing suits anymore. Yes. But, like, we have a royal wedding. And the royal wedding is, like, you know, rigid and it's it's done a certain way and that's it. And, you know, yeah, I know, like you said, like, there are problems people have with the monarchy. And goodness knows there are people who are critics of, of all this stuff. But at the end of the day, like, 
we got to watch like this beautiful wedding with beautiful people with you know people that I think the world feels some some I don't want to say kinship but they feel like they saw what happened with Diana and and they yeah. seen these kids grow up in the public eye and here's Harry who partied for most of his you know youth and now he's like marrying uh, an actress and an activist and you know it's it's such a um you know, a beautiful thing to see beyond the wedding. But the wedding itself, I think, right, like with the beautiful long gowns and the mm-hmm. flowers and the the, the 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 way they sing. And, uh, yeah, I, I think that that is the appeal. And I think you've tapped into that. And, and I'm glad you wrote about it all week because – and I think the final one that you wrote, which was with our former colleague's mother, Sally Curtin, which is by far my favorite thing you wrote, um, which was like, why are we into this? And I think you guys answer that in that way, right? Yeah, it really is. I mean, for me, it's very personal. Like, we were a family kind of obsessed with Diana. And then, you know, Harry and William are around my age, so I felt like we all grew up together. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's very weird to, to feel a sense of empathy with, obviously, a total stranger and somebody that is a, a public figure. But like you just said, it was more about being able to embrace this this spectacle being able to embrace the spectacle spectacle of love and and pomp and circumstance as kind of a reminder for other things better things higher things that that we should be kind of reaching for yeah uh my favorite story to come out of there was the report that serena williams dominated at beer pong at the after party oh my god i was like yeah how fun the, the greatest like I, whatever i forgot one of the british tabloids had an insider there who said oh she dominated i'm like that to me sums up the this sort of this wedding right it's like we had this this formal traditional however hundreds of years we've been doing this kind of wedding and then afterwards serena williams dominated beer pong yes isn't that fantastic like that's exactly i feel like that's what every wedding should be get the formal stuff out of the way and then have serena come over and play some beer pong exactly exactly Um, yeah Sorry, before before I let you go though, I do I want to hear about your obsession because uh, <laughs> it's, it's what is it? It's like the twenty fifth anniversary of Saved by the Bell or something. Okay, so t- so I woke up this morning minding my own business. I have like a long list of stuff to do, and I put it all aside because um, uh, it was it, it was revealed on Twitter that it's the twenty fifth anniversary of the final episode of Saved by the Bell, and when I say final episode, it's just the graduation episode. Of the high school of the um, of the original cast graduating twenty five years ago today May twenty second nineteen ninety three before okay they went so to OG yes. like OG Saved by the Bell OG before Saved they all worth it like a beach resort or something right well no they uh, w- wait what about the beach resort wait isn't so this is right when this is still when they're in high school it's yes. not the next iteration of Saved by the Bell no it's not the new class which was lame and I never watched it and I wasn't going to touch it with a 10 foot pole no offense sorry new class and it wasn't it wasn't the college years which I watched but you know everyone just wants to forget unfortunately but I, I still watched because I was so hardcore um, <laughs> and no it's not it, yeah, Good Morning Miss Bliss which was the first iteration that turned into like the you know sort of the bastardized Saved by the Bell, um, you know, before everything happened, kind of. Uh, yes. So, yeah, so this I was like totally, graduation day. Yes, I totally forgot. That was like the prequel, right? Yeah, it, they made it into the prequel uh, with similar cast. It, they it shoehorned it in, in my opinion, mm-hmm. but because it was originally Good Morning Miss Bliss focused on Haley Mills's teacher. Uh, who happened to teach these kids, I think in Illinois, and then they were like, or no, Indiana, and then they were like, oh, wait, no, we're going to recast it with the new cast in California and pretend like nothing happened, you know? <laughs> it's like, there's a great essay in 
Oh, Sex, Drugs, and Cocoa Puffs. Who wrote that? Um, about about continuity and Saved by the Bell. That's one of my favorite things I've ever read. Um, That's awesome. Anyway, yes, I have an obsession with Saved by the Bell, and I wrote the 13 greatest uh, sports moments in the show and, and in that little, you know, four-season history. And it was fun. What? I, I don't apologize. What is number one? I don't want you – I don't want to – not let people read the article, but I definitely want to know what number one is. Okay, that's fine. Number one was um, there's the episode in season four where the, there's the students become the teacher and the, the teachers become the students for a week, and Zach becomes the principal and Kelly becomes a history teacher. And there's a whole plot where the football team has to take a test, but like they don't listen to Kelly because she's a student, and like it, it, she basically Zach has to be basically. basically um, uh, sort of lay the smackdown and say like you can't play in this huge title game against Valley unless you take this test for Kelly and so they take it during the game while the game is <laughs> happening and Screech keeps coming in the classroom and giving them updates and they're down 20 to 1 nothing before they eventually pass the test go upstairs and and uh, win the game 28 they reel off 28 straight points to beat Valley and I was like that's like that's national news, man. Like, you know, uh, <laughs> so that was my, my number one moment. And I, like this morning, w- and I got to give a shout out to my wife who was like, I was on the couch, like typing. She's like hanging out with our kid before he goes to daycare. And I went, oh my God. And she's like, what? Like, oh my God. And I was like, it's the Saved by the Bell 25th anniversary. I have to do sports moments. She's like, what's number one? I was like, obviously the, the football ending to that episode. She's like, wow, that was quick. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, you didn't even have to think about it. No. You, you kind of already had it ready to go. Yeah, I did. Um, so I really had a lot of fun writing that. And it's, like you said, what did you call it? Content whiplash? Um, subject matter yeah. whiplash. So subject true. matter whiplash. I think of it more as that the site embraces our love of quirky things and, mm-hmm. and asks us to to um, ex- exploit them for, not exploit, that's a terrible word for it, um, use them for for good. for you know Because like, we know that there are other people who are obsessed with Saved by the Bell thank goodness like me um it is the best show and i know that you've made fun of me in the past for being so obsessed with it i'm fine with that everybody's got their thing you're obsessed with uh with the monarchy with the the, the wedding yeah i'm I'm you you have seen my collection of royal wedding mugs like trust me we all have our weird things that we're into (laughs) (laughs) that is true i don't have a a mug for say the bell i do have a t-shirt that i wear a lot actually i wore it on the air for a, a for the win live stream once and you I think out. I remember that yeah yes. it's a Bayside Bayside shirt and like it's funny how many people will either like look at me and go oh dude like great t-shirt and then someone will be like do you go to Bayside High School in Queens I'm like no not that Bayside like no <laughs> that is fantastic okay? yes so y'all should click on that and I love Save by the Bell and if you love it as much as me we should we should talk about it anyway Hemel uh what's your what's your Twitter feed again it is at Hem Javeri, J-H-A-B-E-R-I. Great. Y'all should follow Hemel and uh, read about her awesome hockey takes and, and royal wedding takes and all kinds of other stuff she does. Uh, Hemel, thanks so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Charles, thanks for having me.